Hi, welcome to Building a Business That Lasts. My name is Jay Owen, and I'm your host. On a quest towards stories, tips, and ideas that will help you grow a business without being stressed out, worn out, and ready to quit. Each week, I'll interview other business owners who have successfully grown businesses of all types for many years. It's my hope that these conversations will help you build a business that lasts. On this episode, I interview Carrie Tustin. Carrie is the owner and creative director of Hybrid Design in St. Augustine, Florida. They focus on advertising and graphic design. And Carrie has a master's in advertising and design from Syracuse University. She also spent eight years as an assistant professor of graphic design at Flagler College before starting Hybrid Design in 2002. Carrie has lasted the test of time by building relationships with people and taking care of her customers and team. I'm really excited for this interview with Carrie. Hey, Carrie, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Jay. I'm very happy to be here. So I'd love for you to tell a little bit about your story and how you got started, why you started hybrid design, the kind of what made you take that leap out of, you know, you'd worked in other jobs before, you'd worked as a creative director, you'd worked as a teacher at a university. And now what made you say, hey, I'm going to start my own thing? Okay, that's an excellent question. And I have a short answer and a long answer. And I'm going to give you the short answer first. The short answer is because of my family. That's how my business actually started, with my family being priority in my life. My, My husband, I have three children. Right now, they're 20, 18, and 15. And um, they've always been my priority. So the long answer, how I started is my business is I I started working as a designer in 92 for a small agency. It was super fun. And we had a great clientele, a lot of uh, like boat companies, medical companies. It It was a lot of fun to work there. And from there, I worked at bigger agencies, I left there and and went kind of on my own, like a freelancer, and kind of experienced all these different bigger agencies up in Jacksonville, Orlando, and, um, you know, surrounding areas, and and still doing my own thing. And you mentioned that I I taught, well, I I started teaching part-time in the very beginning, computer graphics, which is a graphic design course, that teaches the technical side of all the programs that you use for graphic design. So kind of jumping ahead, I really love that, loved what I did as a designer. How could I mesh the two? Well, I ended up thinking, I'm going to go ahead and get a master's degree so I can teach full-time in the future. Well, when that happened, I had my first child. That was in 1997. And so I'm kind of jumping ahead now. Uh, I've had this agency background. I have a master's degree. I now have started a family. And at this point, a job opened up to me full time at Flagler College, which I took teaching design and advertising. And so my design career kind of took a back burner, which, you know, was okay. I I did a little bit of stuff on the side, but my, my full time career was the teaching. And meanwhile, I'm growing a family. I had a second child in 2000, and then I thought, okay, this is really great. I'm teaching. I'm doing a little bit of design, but I wasn't doing as much design as I wanted to do, design and advertising. So I said, you know, I'm going to take a, in 2001, I said, I'm going to take a sabbatical. And so during that sabbatical, 
with full intention of going back to Flagler College because I loved my job there teaching. But I took the sabbatical to, to get back into the latest trends of advertising because the internet had kind of taken off and web design and video and kind of things were really changing at that time with advertising. So I wanted to, to get back and, and teach my full potential. Well, then I was expecting a third child. And then my, also my business while I was on sabbatical took off. And that's how hybrid design started, if you will. So I came back and I wanted to raise my family. I was able to go to, you know, the, be a homeroom mom and still have a career. So that's the whole long story. <laughs> but the short answer is I started the business because of my family and it could just kind of grown from there. So that was 2002 that I, I guess, um, incorporated hybrid design. And the name hybrid design comes from all the different backgrounds that I've had with teaching and my master's and my design on small agencies, large agencies. It kind of was a hybrid of and diverse backgrounds. So that's, that's where that name came from. And I worked from home in 2002. And I started with one employee, then it grew to two, and and so forth. And we moved into an office about five years ago, and we've been in business now. This will be our 16th year that we've been in business. We have seven employees, and we have a great, great team. That's awesome. I mean, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier before the show started, just the reality of being able to stay in business that long is really a big deal. And I think a lot of people that may be listening are either new in business or maybe they've been around for a little while, but they're wondering how they can kind of make their business last the test of time. That's why I love having conversations like this. I think this conversation is kind of interesting to some extent, and I've interviewed a few other design or marketing related agency owners because I obviously know a lot of them since I'm kind of in that world. But some people might think it's kind of strange that I would have somebody on the show that to some extent is a little bit of competition because there are certain services that our companies overlap with. But I just really believe that there is a lot more value for all of us in collaboration instead of competition. And I mean, I love competition in in all kinds of environments, but my thing is like you and I have worked together on all kinds of different projects in the past. And I just love being able to talk to other business owners who have that same kind of mindset and really believe, look, there's plenty of work out there for all of us. And it's just a matter of finding the right fits from a personality standpoint and in the specific services. Because there are certain things that I think your agency is really strong at that maybe aren't as big a strengths for us and certain things that we're really strong at may be different than what you are, are strong at. So I think that's really cool. And I'm thankful to have you on the show as a result of that. Oh, thank you very much, Jay. I, I actually feel the same way. And going back to, you know, that you've interviewed a couple of marketing firms and advertising and design firms, St. Augustine and surrounding area, it, we're, we're a tight community. And since 1992, which is a pretty long time ago, you know, I've always vowed I would never take another person's client. I would always want to work with them and partner with them, never burn a bridge. I agree with you. Collaboration only results in success for yourselves, the business owners, and also our clients. You know, that's what it results in. It's, it's teamwork. It's partnering is what I like to call it. And, you know, I, I love that. I love what you guys do and I learn from what you guys do. And, and that's how I think good businesses can do that. If you, if you really get into a hardcore competition, 
he creates bad feelings, I think. Yeah. And I would never want to go there. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's interesting to me too, is, is I see people all the time uh, in all different types of businesses that are so obsessed with what their competition's doing. And I think it's good to know what other people are doing out there and kind of, you know, just for your own education, if nothing else. But, but my thing is like, I have my own company and I'm going to run it the way I think. Like, that's why I started it was to have that freedom and choice. And it's the same thing for you. Like there's things that you're going to do that aren't going to be the same as me and that's okay. And I think that there's a danger for a lot of companies to kind of be obsessed with what other folks are doing to kind of an unhealthy level. And and it always makes me a little sad to see that. I agree. And you're right. We've had some clients say, we want to do what they're doing. And I say, you know, you might want to rethink that. Let's, let's revise it and let's, mold it into what your current brand is. You're successful. So let's, let's follow your own brand to that extent. Absolutely. So I want to jump back a little bit. Usually I save this question till the end, but since you kind of brought up family at the very beginning, I'm going to start there instead. So thinking about your um, family and your husband's involvement uh, in the business, some people have husbands that are or spouses, I should say, that are fully partnered in the business. And some of them just have spouses that have been supportive of them starting a business because it's a big undertaking. What's that been like for you? Well, I I would like to say my husband has been completely 100% supportive of my business since day one. And I couldn't have done it without him. He helped me, you know, picking up the kids if I couldn't, if I had a meeting as my, as my business was growing. So I, I definitely want to say thank you to him for, for that help and support. That's awesome. And that's really true for me as well. I mean, Claire is not a direct part uh, of the business from a official standpoint. She's not a part of the team, but she really is. I mean, she's one of my best advisors and I, I really would not be where I am today without her. So I definitely share the same sentiment with you. Family is a big priority for me too. It's one of our core values for our company. I've got five little ones. I'm just uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum from you because your youngest is 15. My oldest is 13. So I'm I'm just now beginning to enter the teenage years and I've got a long way ahead since my youngest is five. (laughs) Right, right. What I was thinking was, you know, for you, as you started the business, I think a lot of people think I'm going to start my own thing and I'm going to have all this freedom and time. But then they also realize, well, gosh, now it's all on my shoulders. I've got to figure it all out. And and that for a lot of people can can actually produce the opposite. And, and they, they thought they were going to have freedom, but instead they created kind of a, a monkey on their back by starting a company. How have you over the years learned to kind of find that balance where you go, hey, the company's over here and these are the things I have to do for that, but the priority is still my family. How have you been able to kind of keep the business growing over the years, but also keep that priority on your kids and on your family? That's a very good question. And how I would answer that is, being proactive rather than reactive to clients' needs. So, for example, if I'm out with my family, you know, doing a, you know, if I was in doing the bake sale or, you know, the Halloween parade or whatnot, if I had to leave early for the day, I made sure that, you know, my clients' needs were met. And so I think that that's a, that's a big deal. You know, you, you have the balance of it. If you say, Ah, I'm just going to go. I'm not going to think about what these clients need right now. And then you go to that Halloween parade and then all of a sudden there's an emergency and that client is calling you needing something. Then you're in a tough situation and that's where people can break down. But if you kind of think ahead of schedule, you know, and plan ahead. So being proactive, I would say is the answer to that. 
Yeah, I think that that's huge. I mean, the idea of of just thinking ahead versus constantly being in a reactive mode is is huge because you can help prevent all kinds of things. And we, we can never foresee everything, but at the same yeah. time, we can prevent most of the things if we spend enough time ahead of time thinking through it and planning it rather than waiting to the last second. Correct. Thinking about your business over the years and, and different things that have come up that maybe were surprising for you, especially maybe when you first started the business, things you didn't anticipate having to deal with or, or difficulties you had to overcome. Is there anything that kind of stands out in your mind as things that maybe weren't strengths for you? You certainly had the strength in the actual kind of technical work of design and advertising. But when it comes to running a business, there's all kinds of other stuff that we have to deal with too, whether it's going and closing sales or, you know, managing, you know, invoicing and QuickBooks or any other number of other things that happens. What were some things early on for you that that you had to kind of overcome and learn how to do that maybe weren't strengths for you? Another good question, Jay. So I would say the difficulties in, for me, in my business that I've encountered and have, you know, worked on overcoming is I find that a lot of people don't understand what goes into good design and advertising, you know, just because they own publisher or paint or Photoshop and they can go on a typeface and a clip art image, you know, and they can slap a logo together well, what do you do with that logo? And so what I've tried to do to overcome, you know, people come in, oh, I put this logo together. Can you help me put an ad together now? You know, and they don't understand the process. Well, how did you come up with this logo? Is is this art copyrighted? You know, like we come up with original art and, you know, we think about the typeface, how it works with that mark. And we develop not just their logo, but we develop a brand for that company around that logo. How will their ads look? What kind of messaging will they have? What kind of headlines will match their brand? What are the colors that will follow with their brand and be on print campaigns and outdoor and television? You know, what are the things that go into good design and advertising? So how we've overcome it is we sit down and we educate our clients. We say, here's what will work here's what won't work. And here's why it won't work. We do a lot of market research. We do a lot of visual research. We make sure that their logo is original. The details are important to developing that brand, as you probably already know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of times, especially with businesses, they hear the word brand and they think that just means making a logo and it means so much more than that. Like you said, I think one of the, the biggest things early on is that communication with the client. And, and this really goes for any industry. It's not just for us in marketing and advertising. It's in a lot of businesses because I think what happens is it's easy for you or I or anybody in the industry that they're in to take for granted what they already know and to go in and just assume that that client is going to know the same things is silly. They're not going to know those things. And not that we have to teach them how to do our jobs, but it is really helpful, I think, to set expectations really clearly and to communicate really clearly. I always say one of the biggest problems in any relationship, whether it's business or personal or anything else, is misplaced expectations. Because I expect somebody's going to do this, but they expect I'm going to do that. And it's totally different. And so I would say communication is the bridge that connects expectations. And those early client meetings, like what you're talking about, or even before they're a client, when they're a prospect, to sit down and have those conversations of what the expectation is. And like what you said a minute ago, why you do what you do is really important. 
So thinking about client communication, what are some of the ways over time that you feel like have helped you get better at communicating well to clients so that their expectations are clear and they're not expecting something from you or your team that's totally out of line or not possible? How have you kind of developed that, those communication skills over time? I have put everything in a plan, in writing. And I think that helps not only internally our team, but it also helps externally the client. So for example, if I meet with a client, I'll have an agenda and we'll talk about certain points and I'll have it all written down and I'll make copies for everyone that's going to be in the meeting. From that agenda, I'll go back, go back to my team, create a creative brief about what needs to happen, whether it's an ad campaign or a digital advertising or out, you know, any, any type of communication, we'll do a creative brief, then we'll send it back to the client and say, okay, here's where we are with this. And here's what we're going to develop. And here's what our timeline is expected to be. And, you know, they don't have to respond, you know, they don't have to make comments on it. They can just say, yes, got it. Thank you. And so then they know what to, you know, then they have expectations of what will happen. And if there's something in that creative brief, like the color of the ads is red and they want it to be blue at that point, they can say, Oh, Hey, it was supposed to be blue, not red. And there we go. We've already, you know, we've fixed a problem before we even start the creative. So that that's what really helps. Is Yeah. I think that's really critical. And you do a good job of that. I've, Cause I've seen you do it before with clients is first of all, having that personal interaction, preferably of an in-person meeting if it's possible and really kind of getting to know them and getting to know the ideas. But then I think the next part of what you just said is really important, which is going back and putting all of that in writing and then getting that approved because the worst thing that happens on any project for me is you get halfway into it and somebody says something like, well, I remember we talked about X, Y, or Z. And, and the response should always be, well, hey, let's look at the original scope. Or let's look at the original creative you know, document. Let's see if, if that's what we had planned. And if that's the case, you're right, let's fix that. If we didn't include that, we can always adjust the plan, but that maybe wasn't a part of the original plan. So having stuff in writing like that after having a personal in-person meeting is huge for, for good communication on a project. Absolutely. That was key is having it in writing. And the other thing that helps too, because it's in writing and not just in my head and the client's head, then my team at Hybrid Design knows what's going on. We write everything down. We have our traffic meetings and you know we, we talk about it constantly. But if I'm not there to tell them what happened in the meeting, they can refer back to that agenda sheet or creative brief. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about teams and communicating with your teams, which are what we're talking about there a little bit, how long was it until you hired your first employee when you started Hybrid Design? So you started in 2002. Do you remember when it was when you hired your first employee? Yes. <laughs> it was actually, this is a funny story. So I, I worked from home. I built an addition onto my house. I had a separate entrance, but my kids were at home. A lot of them, you know, babies. I had babies, you know, they weren't in school. So what I did was I hired, uh, I had a good friend at Plyler College still who taught in the education. She's in charge of the education department. And I said, Hey, do you know any um, students that would like to be a nanny? And she, she got me one. And it so happened that this nanny was a graphic design major. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And, And so, and she was a freshman 
And so she, you know, watched the kids while I worked. But then when the kids would nap, because I said, you know, there were babies, they napped a lot during the day. So she'd come in and I'd teach her things. Wow. What a gift for her too. For both of you, really. Yeah, it was awesome. And she, so, so by the time she was a sophomore, our roles sort of reversed. I had her working on the stuff. I gave her, you know, (laughs) the creative brief, do this. And I went and go, I I went to boat play with the kids or pick them up. That's amazing. And it was great. And I loved her. And she was with me for about four years, really four years, part-time she worked. So she worked through college and she ended up working. She, I couldn't hire her full-time at that point, but she went on to start her own company. She has, Mm. she's, now in business for herself. She has two children of her own. So she's done kind of the same thing and she's very successful. She's an excellent designer. So that was my first employee. After she left, I hired Sarah Masse, who is with us now. And she has been, so this will be her eighth year with me. Wow. And so that was my very first full-time employee. And then we just kind of grew from there. And like I said, we, we kind of grew out of the, my space at my house and we got an office in Anastasia Island. Now we're currently at the office we're in is at the record building on State Road 312 and uh, State Road uh, 207. That's a really neat story. I mean, what a kind of uh, fate or, you know, <laughs> destiny type opportunity at the beginning there for you to, to have a nanny who kind of transitioned into a role like that. That is so cool. Blessed, I want Absolutely. to say. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I think... That's one of those situations where you almost can't think that it's just coincidence. At least that's just me. And I just look at it and think, you know, you intentionally made your family a priority and then you started a business and you thought, okay, well, I know I still need help with the kids, but I also want to be here. And then, you know, to me, that's one of those situations where, you know, God kind of intervened and said, hey, I'm going to put something in your, in your lap here. It's going to help you. It's going to help her. What a great testimony that is. Gosh, now I'm so distracted because that story is so good. I don't know where to go next. Um, thinking about teams in general, because I worked by myself for a long time and then I had uh, contractors. I didn't have quite as cool of a first employee story as you. And I did some hiring originally and, and sometimes I didn't do a good job. My first two employees, actually, uh, one of them ended up quitting and one of them I had to let go. And so uh, I did not start well in that area. And I had to learn learn a lot along the way. And both good guys. It just wasn't the right fit and the right timing. And, and, and I didn't really know what I was doing as a leader at that point, honestly, either. And now I have 12 team members, uh, plus a lot of contractors that we use. And so it's, it's been interesting to grow over the years to have multiple team members and, and my roles changed a lot. So I'm curious for you, how your role maybe has changed from the very beginning versus now that you have, you know, other people that are involved with the team and, and, and they can kind of take on some of the work that maybe you would have done yourself in the early years. How has that kind of transitioned for you as you kind of find areas that you can step out of, but then kind of find the areas that you know you're good at that you want to stay involved in? Well, yeah, that's that's a tough, you know, in the beginning, as probably you started, you do everything. You do yeah. The QuickBooks, you do, you know, the phone calls, you set up the meetings, you talk to the vendors, um, you do all those things. And all of them on their own, are they are fun to do each on their own. But as your business grows, you can't keep up with them. So to have people come in and say, okay, what do you like to do? And what they're, you kind of, you kind of see what their strengths are, and you kind of 
you know, release the control a little bit to those different strengths of those different employees. One employee might be great at calling people or talking with vendors. Another one, like now we have an accountant that works with us. Great. You know, here's the QuickBooks, but you still have to keep your hand in it too, because you have to always know what's happening. If a client calls, you have to know Mm -hmm. where you are financially with vendors and and how to access that if that person isn't there. So that's a little bit of a challenge. You kind of got to keep your hand in it, but not totally immersed with that. Yeah, I think that's really important. That idea of of kind of, it's almost like having a soft grip on it versus a hard grip because you do need to know what's going on. But, you know, it's one of those things that I've had to learn over time is I don't get to know everything anymore. And one of the, one of the things that I heard a long time ago from Andy Stanley, which I thought was really good, is he said, as your organizational authority increases, your individual competencies decrease. And that's kind of an interesting idea when you think about it, because, you know, I used to be a better designer than I am now because I don't really do much design work anymore. But it, well, you and I are also different in that you actually went to school for that. That really design and advertising really is a strength and gift for you. Where for me, I think my gifts really are more on the business side than they even are on the creative. And so I've learned over time, I have to find the right people, like you said, that have the right strengths to come, kind of come alongside and say, hey, you're really good at this. Let me let you do this. And I'll still be aware of it and still kind of check in. But but letting people shine in their own strengths, I think is really important. Yeah, I do think it's important. And here I want to add too, if you give them that control of their own accounts and things, you know, to, to do, that makes them feel good about what they do. You know, I did that. I controlled that whole thing and I made it successful. So it's like a little, almost like running a mini business within a business. I like to let them have their own control over things. They should. And that was, I think makes people satisfied with their work too. If they're just, you know, if I say, do this, do that, do this, do that. I don't know how that could be satisfying to that person. You know, they have to do their own thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the idea of of people having individual autonomy and individual authority within their areas of specialty is extremely important. And I think one of the big mistakes a lot of leaders make is not being willing to let their team members fail And I don't mean like fail catastrophically. Obviously, we want to all prevent catastrophic failure from anybody. But at the same time, little failures along the way where little mistakes are made or or maybe decisions are made where maybe a better one could have been made, it's the only way that they're really going to learn really well. And then we can kind of come alongside and help guide it and adjust it, just like we all need other people to come alongside us, regardless of how long we've been in business and, and help kind of give some insight and ideas. But I think being willing to let people have their own authority like you're talking about there is just hugely important. I agree. We learn by mistakes and I don't mind if they make mistakes. I really don't just don't make the same mistake twice. I always right. say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Learn from it. Exactly. Learn from it. That's all. And move <laughs> on. It's okay. Absolutely. I totally, totally agree with that. So I'm just thinking about our industry in general, like you mentioned earlier, has changed so much. I mean, I started design extensions in 99 and I mean, social media wasn't even a word in the dialect. You know, there weren't, (laughs) Google was not, you know, king of the internet, Yahoo was. Stuff like that that's so crazy now to look around and see like, you know, something like Facebook that's such a massive part of society for better or worse. And, and how have you kind of adjusted and kind of transitioned through the years to go, hey, 
These are things we're good at. These are things we're still going to be aware of and know about. Kind of how do you stay current uh, within your industry and, and within the market that you're in so that you can help your clients continue to grow? That's another good question, Jay. So for us to stay current, I'm constantly reading um, online, you know, if it's a magazine, anything about the new trends. But I think what's very important, specific to this area, is talking with you because you know a little bit about something that's the new trend. Maybe another printer, you know, when we talk with our vendors on a regular basis, they let us know, hey, we just got this new printer in. It does this, this, and this. It, we can design right onto coasters or we can just, you know, print right onto this wood substrate, you know, all these different new trends. Oh, that'd be great for, say, this local attraction, you know, the, that kind of signage, you know, if you, you print it on wood, you know, all keeping up with the trends and even with you with the digital world t- speaking with you. So I think it's all about staying in touch with all your vendors and finding out all the new things that have come out. We've been to sign shows and print shows paper shows. I'd like to do more design shows, but unfortunately this area doesn't have as many say as like New York city or Chicago or Las Vegas, you know? So I'm, I'm thinking even this year, I'm going to take the team, you know, we're going to look and see what design shows are out there, but those are the things that we try to do to stay current. And also I think what stays helps us stay current is okay. So there's myself and I've been in the business for, X amount of years now, let's see. So 16 plus another really 10 years. So 26 years in the business, but my art directors are 10 years younger than me, you know, so they're, they're more into the new trends and find, you know, and then younger than them are our designers that just coming out of university and colleges. So so having all those kind of diverse, you know, backgrounds of the team kind of helps, you know, keep us current. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a there's a really good design conference I haven't been to in a couple of years, but it may be worth you t- taking a look at sometime. They do it in Columbus, Georgia, and it's uh, called Creative South. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, I um, but the guy that runs it, uh, his name's Mike Jones. He used to run a small design agency uh, called Serve. He does amazing work. But recently he took a job. I think he's like the lead designer for Aflac now. So he took a big job, but he's still running this conference every year. It's called Creative South. And that would be a fun, it's a long drive. It's like probably four and a half hours from here, but it's a really fun conference. And they have lots of great designers there, lots of great examples. We've been for a couple of years, but it's super design focused. So that might be something that you may want to check out this year. I think they do it in April because the last couple of years I haven't been able to go because it's been my wife's birthday, which I obviously would not make the mistake of going to a conference uh, on her birthday. (laughs) But that event is really, really cool. And we've started doing a little bit more stuff like that. But again, it's, it's a matter of figuring out what works time-wise, money-wise, and, and everything else, and trying to find something that really is you know, helpful for the whole team to grow because everybody's in different, in different places, I think. Thank you. I'll, I'll look into that. That sounds great. So thinking about, um, we'll kind of wrap up a little bit here, thinking about your own personal growth as a leader. You talked about reading, uh, communication with vendors, communication with your team. Are there any other areas or resources, maybe it's particular books that you've read or conferences you've been to or podcasts you listen to or 
or maybe groups that you're a part of that help you kind of personally grow to where you are able to kind of keep leading your team well, keep leading your company well, not even necessarily industry specific, but just business as a whole or you personally, how do you kind of stay focused and keep your head above water and keep growing yourself intentionally? Yeah. So staying current with the community, being close knit, you know, going to different events in the community that that helps, um, for example, Rotary or being a part of, you know, just different fundraising events like with the Flagler College and, you know, Women of Vision and all those types of things. But I, you know, and is there a book or I, I kind of want to back up a little bit because there was something that happened in with my master's degree that really I always kind of quote during business with my team My master's degree was an independent study at Syracuse University. And what that means is for two years, we traveled probably every other month to different cities, New York City, Chicago, Toronto, San Francisco, London, England. We stayed for a long weekend in each one of those locations. And we visited six to eight different agencies all the way from like five-person design studios, all the way up to huge advertising agencies. And listening to all those people in business, business doesn't change so much, you know, the the idea of it, the foundation, I should say. Mm -hmm. And I always come back to, I would always ask them the same questions, you know, every time when we got alone with the creative director or the copywriters or the, you know, the lead designers, art directors, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? All my, my normal questions. And I bring those back to my own business constantly. What made them successful, I think about, and how can I apply it to my own business? I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but it's my inspiration constantly. And I know it was 20 years ago now that I've received that degree, but I always go back to it. And I have, still have some of the paperwork that some of the art directors and creative directors gave to us. Um, you know, one, one guy always said, make the ideas fancy and the layouts rough because mm-hmm. it was the idea that drove people's businesses. And these were people that started branding Starbucks way back when or created FedEx, the brand for FedEx. These were all these guys, the Got Milk. All these were so inspirational. So I I just constantly think about these guys on a regular basis and and how they did it. And I apply it. I try to apply it to my own business. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And I think what you said a minute ago is really true in that business has not changed that much. You know, it, it, the tactics maybe have changed and, and, and the vehicles which we use to do certain things maybe have changed. But the reality is it's about people listening to people, taking care of people. My uncle always told me, he said, you know, if, if you really want to sell and you want to sell well, when you get into a sales meeting, your objective shouldn't be to sell that person. It should be to help them. And if your honest desire is to help them, if they're the right fit for you and you're the right fit for them, then you'll close the deal and it doesn't matter. And I think that that's been true since the beginning of the first business, you know, and I just love that that's kind of your approach and methodology. Is there any other kind of parting advice or thoughts or anything else that you want to leave our audience with before we wrap up for the day? Sure. My parting advice for building a business at last would be 
build a strong and diverse internal team. That is key that you have fun with that are smart, responsible, just building that strong internal team. The next thing I would say is building a strong and diverse external team. And what I mean by that are your vendors and you and I partnering together, the printers, the, you know, the TV, the radio, all those people are important part of your business. You're all a team. You all partner to get the best results for the client. And being proactive instead of reactive is is a big deal too. But that team is what's important. Working with the the right people. And like you just said, it is all about people. And it's all about relationships. And we love working with all our clients and we love our, our internal team. So that's my, that is my parting advice. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Carrie. It really has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. A, a pleasure as well. Thank you. I hope this episode has given you some ideas or inspiration that will help you grow your business. If you found it helpful and you know somebody else who might benefit from it as well, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to share this with them, maybe on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or even shoot an email over to a friend uh, with a link to this podcast in it. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our email list at buildingabusinessthatlasts.com. 